You're listening to the Gridiron Fancy Football Show, sponsored by ESPN Fancy Football. Coming up in the next two shows, we'll be looking at the key positions and value for 2019. Who we like, who we don't, the sleepers and the busts. Today is receivers and tight ends. This is the Gridiron Fancy Football Show, sponsored by ESPN Fancy Football. kick off with the pass catchers today we're going to talk wide receivers and tight ends in this year's draft back joining me in the ESPN fantasy football show by gridiron studio a regular gridiron show co-host ollie hunter yes tight ends today yes <laughs> uh, sorry we're not talking fullbacks i'm afraid at any point at all yeah, sorry I've been, buddy i've been vetoed it's fine uh, <laughs> tom's with us as well tom Excited, pumped to talk some wide receivers. I, literally nothing in the world could make me more excited right now. So we're going to go on crazy, crazy receivers. Tom was, Tom was shaking on. with excitement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really was. Like, <laughs> that was incredible. I wish you could see that visual. It he was didn't stunning. even put it on. He <laughs> <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> was shaking with excitement. It's brilliant. Uh, of course, you can sign up for the world's number one fancy NFL game with ESPN. Create a league, invite your friends and hold a draft at ESPN.com forward slash fancy forward slash football. You can also download the ESPN fantasy app to manage your team throughout the season available on the App Store and Google Play thank you to everyone who tuned in for our kind of The Basics episode sorry for those of you who are long term uh, you know, fantasy fans who maybe felt like we were teaching you to suck eggs a little bit but we wanted to make sure we were inclusive because fantasy football like Ollie was saying in the last show is a great way for people to get more involved and in fact when I think about it, Ollie and I work at TalkSport and working around the TalkSport office coming to TalkSport nine seven years ago whatever it was 2012 and there was probably one or two other people who liked the nfl now you're at a point where most people can have a conversation with you have a team like football in some way shape or form and fancy has been a huge part of them getting involved so when we were saying about finding friends to play with last time find some people who have only got a passing interest in the nfl it's a great gateway for them to go to say gateway drug but it's a great gateway for them to get involved in uh, in the national football I'd like league to distance espn from that last <laughs> the last slip of the tongue look um there are people here at work who have been into the, the game um not fancy football but into nfl for just even a year because because we've had it uh, had it on the station now they're coming up to both will and i and asking Right, we want to join your league. We want to join, and brilliantly, luckily, and uh, it would only be one way because Will organises it, but we are on the ESPN um, <laughs> format. So I it, really it wasn't all, joking about that in the all, first episode, by the way. I will only in. use it. Yeah, so it all ties in. But um, I think we did go into some of the minutiae of, uh, of, of what you can have in your leagues and um, how many teams and, and rules and, and stuff like that. But I think a lot of people, Tommy, are well, they're, they're really keen on knowing about who to draft first and when to draft them. And even later as well, the number one question you get when you talk about fantasy football is, is who is the sleeper? And, you know, way back when, there was kind of players that nobody had heard of and it really was a sleeper. And now, in this day, when everybody's on the interwebs and everybody's got all this information, everyone knows everybody. But you're How still long have you been playing? Course. Oh, a long time. So my first league, I drafted Terrell Davis very early and he Excellent. did very well. Okay, so who's your favourite? or Who's been the best sleeper decision that you've ever made? Arian Foster. Do you remember Aaron Foster uh, in his first year in, uh, in, in Houston? And everyone was like, who's this undrafted kid? There's a little bit of noise about him getting something. And then it turned out he was just yeah. the most smooth, 
sweet runner. They gave him a huge amount of volume and he absolutely turned it on. Great player. But this is where I was talking about in the last episode, the level of average intelligence that's gone up. You know, in the first year in the league of someone like David Johnson, Alvin Kamara, a rookie coming out in the third round, normally that player would go undrafted in your average fantasy league. People would be looking at the standard running back one type position. Now, they play some pre-season, they get involved, and I will bang on about this, don't draft until after week three of pre-season <laughs> so you know more about the players and you know who's injured. You find that people do know more about those and so you do find... Uh, we'll talk draft strategy later on, but if you're not using those late rounds to absolutely stock your bench with running back and wide receiver flyers with people who you think could be boom or bust, because, again, this is a little bit of draft strategy, but what you have to remember about uh, fantasy football is that it's not a year long competition it's a week by week competition that's played over a year and what you're looking for is those little advantages week by week so if you take a player who maybe will only play two or three weeks of the season but you know that they're a brilliant deep threat and when they play against teams within their league they're gonna get a huge number of points then actually stashing that guy on your bench and using him just a few times in the season if you choose the right times can be make or break you have your core guys your rounds one to five six guys they are your, your kind of your bread and butter, but it's where you really win leagues are when you find those sleepers, those great later round picks that are going to make the difference. And they're the ones that are exciting. I'm hyped. <laughs> Game excited for the new fantasy season, guys. Yeah, well, we're going to get on some uh, some deeper players and others tonight as we go through receivers. It's a really deep position, right? Because every team in the NFL has kind of got three primary receivers these days. Um, everyone's playing guy in the slot and two guys outside. And we'll talk about that. But there's more receivers to know and more exciting options than there ever has been before. It's brilliant. Now, uh, just to quickly mention, because we are going to do wide receivers and tight ends in this show, we're going to do quarterbacks and running backs in the next show. We are not going to be doing a dedicated show for kickers and defences. Why not? I am a big exponent of streaming those positions, of taking somebody late, of not going too early, because back to the same thing. If you're taking a defence in round seven because the Bears are still there and there's not a particular wide receiver you like at that point, that's where you take the flyer. That's where you take the rookie. That's where stock up with that depth because someone else is going to pick two picks after you and end up taking the guy who has a breakout season and finishes as the fifth highest scoring wide receiver and you're going to look like a mug do you know what I do and, and it's, a, it's a thing where I actually don't even um, put any Bears players on my draft board because I don't want to have <laughs> I don't want to he's not them. lying at all I don't pick Bears players it's, being a Packers fan I don't pick the Bears but if I had a, a penchant for the Bears and the Bears defence but I was a seasoned player and I'm playing with some newer guys or whatever, or even you know that there's the person in your league that will, will make a rash decision. Don't even count on the Bears being anywhere near your uh, the top of your defences that you're going to pick because someone else will pick them up and pick them too early. So it, don't, even, don't even entertain that they're going to be a part of your roster. If for some reason that they are, that they're there, you know, 14, 15, 16, do you know what? Pick them up. But uh, if then, don't worry that they're not going to be there. You know, that kind of stuff. Again, it, we're, you're totally right. It happens every year. Every year, people look at the best defense from a year ago and go, "They're great. I've got to have them." So, do you remember last year? Everyone was going crazy for the Jags. They can then they come off that brilliant 2017. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They came so close to getting to the Super Bowl, and they had pass rushers coming out of their ears, and they were great. And this time last year, everyone was going, "They're going to be brilliant again." Of course, they are. They haven't lost any players, and it just doesn't happen, right? Because the very best team, by definition, 
is an outlier. And those guys are, are probably going to regress back towards the mean the year after. Same thing with the Bears this year. Great defence last year. But here's the thing that people are forgetting with uh, drafting the Bears too early. Vic Fangio left. The defensive coordinator left to go and be a head coach elsewhere. He's not even there anymore. So they're going to they're gonna struggle to be that good. I mean, again. they do still have Khalil Mack. And if, if, but and Chabagano does love a blitz. But if Khalil, if, uh, Khalil Mack goes out or goes down, the Bears will become <laughs> average once again. Not that I'm wanting any injury on any player. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. There, Ollie, I can see. But... Uh, just be careful what you wish for. Right. So, again, we'll talk more draft strategy come episode four, but let's talk about uh, wide receivers first of all. And the first thing I'd say is that talk, looking at a kind of standard 12-team ESPN half-point PPR league, my big thing always when I'm looking at wide receivers is I'm looking for volume. I'm looking for guys that are going to be catching 100-plus balls, ideally. I'm looking for guys that are going to be uh, coming up with six to ten catches in a game rather than you know you I always remember you you've had players down the years that they will have the random weeks where they score you 25 points because they get two 60 yard touchdowns in a week but every other week they are just the deep threat that stretches the field so that there's space for other people and there's that real lack of consistency for you there so I like guys that are going to be volume guys touchdowns are great they give you big points but it's very difficult to have an indicator. Touchdowns don't stay consistent over seasons unless you've got a very special player like Calvin Johnson. But targets and opportunity are much more likely. And so for me, it's about looking about offenses are going to throw a lot, players are going to be targeted a lot, and therefore lots of catches and building up that yardage and that potential scoring that way. Are there guys, if we start off just looking at the very top end of the draft, yeah, there, are, there are obvious pickups at the top end. The guys who are going to be in that top tier, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams is a really hot pick this year for a lot of people and what people are expecting from him in Green Bay after what he yeah. did down the stretch last year. I think, I think that's because there isn't much behind him. Whereas with Hopkins, you've got someone like Will Fuller III, um, who 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 could rival and do do bits? There, there isn't that much depth on Green Bay beyond Devontae Adams. Granted, you you do have Valdez Scantling and and some of the other guys there, but they Cobb and Cobb's gone. The guy that he really does have trust with, Aaron Rodgers, is Devontae Adams, and I I can see why he, especially in a half point or a full point PPR, he would be at the top. It's talent and it's opportunity. Yeah, yep. those are the kind of two key things, and and that's why, for example. I like Juju Smith-Schuster a lot. I'm excited to see what he does as a number one receiver. I still think Antonio Brown is the better receiver of the two based on what we've seen him over time. But would I rather have the guy who is going to be targeted in a high-scoring offense by a quarterback like Big Ben? Or do I want the guy who is going to be targeted in an offense which, on a bad team, who finished well below 500 last year with a quarterback I don't know if I trust? with So... I'm probably looking at Juju Smith-Schuster above Antonio Brown. Don't let real-life football affect your fantasy choices. Players will be better in fantasy than they are in real life and vice versa. Yeah, and there's a counterintuitive point here as well. So when we're talking about good teams and bad teams, you need to remember that bad teams in the NFL who are often behind and often need to play catch-up are going to throw the ball more. So when you look at the best teams in the league, they're, they're running, right? Because they're going to be ahead and they're going to be grinding out the clock. So you need to think about what effect that has on certain players. But when you look at someone like Juju Smith-Schuster, I also look at the division that he's playing in. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers are in the AFC North. Those AFC North games 
generally are attritional they're on the ground not much throwing they're 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 mainly outside games cold weather i'm looking at all of those things and i'm thinking do you know what i'd rather have the guy that's playing out in california even if it is with Derek carr that's what i that's what i'm looking at that's what i would prefer i'm looking at the situation i mean we didn't really go into kickers but if you are going to pick a kicker pick a kicker that's going to be playing in a dome for eight games of the season rather than a kicker that's going to be playing outside in the northeast saying that goskowski is one of the best kickers that you could get so there are exceptions to the rule but for me i'm picking antonio brown i love the talent anyway i'm picking him bef- uh, ahead of juju smith schuster because of the situation and the, the teams that he's playing against in and around him division wise is, is there anyone at the top end who you are targeting, who you really like. You, like I've always, I've, I've had a Michael Thomas uh, hard on for about four years now. He is, I'm a huge fan of him, but now everyone else is, is on to him as of last season and his average draft position has gone up and up and up and up. And actually I'm now looking at where Michael Thomas is going and I'm thinking to myself, am I wanting to take him at, what's he going at, about... Uh, eight, nine, ten overall. Mm-hmm. I'm not wanting to go that high for him. He's a second round guy to me. So even though I love the player, I'm thinking about the value. So is there anyone at the top that you are? If they're there and you like and you like the value, you're going to reach for him and go, yes, please, thank you. Uh, not particularly. So the way I would go into this is not have somebody you're really going to go after. It's often said that you you can't win your fantasy draft in the first round, but you can lose it. So just make sure you don't <laughs> mess anything up. So we're going to talk about tiers a little bit. When you're looking at different players, don't don't stick rigidly to your rankings. You know, We've just talked about Juju and Antonio Brown. Some of us probably got one guy higher than the other. You can argue, right? But broadly, they're going to be similar. Um, they're, they're probably going to do about the same. So let's make sure that you're, you're not going crazy and selling out over one guy that you've got to have, because you might be wrong. Happens all the time. Um, just make sure you're kind of taking appropriate value as you go through. Having said that, if I'm looking at wide receivers, then the guy I want, number one, is Nuke Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, down of the Texans. I just love watching him. He's, he's one of those guys that's got that amazing body control, but he's long and he's thin. He's taken on number one corners. He's taken on double teams. He can go up and get it. He can run beautiful routes. Um, I just want him on my team. And this is another thing, right? You want guys that you like watching play football. That mm. makes you happy. There's a, a player who, uh, if I'm looking at Matthew Berry's rankings uh, for PPR on ESPN.com uh, forward slash fantasy forward slash football, um, a guy that's coming in at number 12 is T.Y. Hilton. Now, I think he's super talented. He does struggle with injuries down the stretch of a season. But Andrew Luck is a, another year away from that injury, another year um, with that whole system. And there isn't that much behind T.Y. Hilton. And I think he's going to be heavily targeted. So 12th, over, 12th overall on the wide receiver rankings, I don't know where that puts him overall wise maybe 20th something like that if he's falling at number 20 to 25 i'm slapping your hand off because i love the look at ty hilton i'm not saying i love all of those other guys ahead of him but 
that's a, a little bit of value, I think, there. Yeah, he's going at the start of the third round. So by that point, you've probably got, you know, one receiver or two running backs and vice versa on the board. And if you think in him, there's that high volume, you can unlock a little bit of the Colts uh, offense. Definitely a good thing because we're going to talk about this a lot. Get hold of a little bit of the best offense in the league. And, you know, Andrew Luck is, is an elite quarterback. We, we've seen them have fantastic coaching last year. They play in a dome. There's a lot of things to like about T.Y. Hilton. Here's some other guys that, that I'm really liking this year versus mate, where they're going currently on ESPN. And again, double check the average draft position because once people hear about these guys, maybe see them in preseason, they start to move up draft boards. Um, Chris Godwin is a guy I really, really like from Tampa Bay. I think that he's a guy who can be a really strong wide receiver too, but it's currently going closer to the low end wide receiver to a high end wide receiver three area. Um, you know, he's, he's not going until the, the third, fourth round in a lot of places. Uh, there's a couple of guys I like when I was talking about the volume thing, particularly in a half point PPR. Tyler Boyd, with AJ Green having injury problems, is a guy I think has a chance to really outperform his current draft position. Uh, I look at Carolina and the guys like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Now, again, I'm not saying pick up these guys as your wide receiver too because you are considering them in that sort of position. But say someone like Curtis Samuel, he's currently going in the fifth, sixth round of drafts. Now, if you've decided to go running back and wide receiver heavy early and you need a flex guy, and he's still available and he's still there, I think he's got real wide wide receiver two upside in a PPR or half-point PPR, but you can get him in a flex position, and suddenly you've got three playable wide receivers, and you're, you're stronger than anyone else, and you are having that weekly advantage over him. You can definitely do that. Curtis Samuel is really interesting because he's an electric player, right? Everyone kind of watched him a little bit coming out of Ohio State, and he was a he was kind of a receiver, kind of a running back, but the sort of player you just want with the ball in his hands. But going back to the type of offense we're talking about, so it really scares me for Carolina having to rely on one of their receivers. So Cam Newton, I, I think he's played what six, seven years, and and I think he's had one top 12 receiver in all that time which was Steve Smith back in the day he, he's just not a high volume passer he's very good he gets things done he went all the way to the Super Bowl but he doesn't really sustain a lot of guys carrying uh, catching a lot of balls I'm not going to say he's inaccurate but you know there are more accurate quarterbacks how do you feel about situations where you've got something like uh, we've got Cooper Cup coming back off the ACL which I think at his age isn't a concern considering when he tore it but when you've got him and Robert Woods in the same offense, they're probably going to throw more this year because of Todd Gurley. But when you've got two guys who are both going in and the Brandon kind of Cooks. wide receiver two range, two Brandon guys. Cook's in there as well, three guys who are all three going guys. in and around there, you start to see, yes, talent, but there's the opportunity dropping off and maybe starting to let those people drop down your board. Yeah, definitely. We're always thinking market share. So what the temptation to do is to look at our players and go, well, I like him, so he's going to be really good. He's going to have... 1200 yards and, and eight touchdowns something like that a much more sensible way to do it is think what is realistic in terms of a team producing in the passing game overall so if we look at the rams then fine we might see jared goff throw for four and a half thousand maybe five thousand year, uh, yards if everything goes brilliantly right and let's split that so for him to produce three thousand yard receivers which seems realistic for cooper cup and robert woods and um brandon cooks then fine that's okay but that's 60 percent maybe over 60% of his entire output. So it's just not very likely that everyone stays healthy the whole time and everybody does really well. Um, you, you start bumping into that, there's only so much to go around. So the other guy you talked about, Chris Godwin, love the talent, really interesting play, he's going to move around a little bit. Obviously he's got interesting quarterback, interesting head coach, but he's a number two receiver on that team, right? 
um, Mike Evans is just going to be ahead of him. So is there enough for those two to both be top 20? You know, to be a top 20 receiver, you've got to be better than the best receiver on at least 12 other teams on the league. Um, so it's not easy to see. Another situation is it involves a player that I love and I'll try and pick up if if I can, wherever I can, and it, you know, looking at value anyway. But Denver and Cortland Sutton, who I think I think will have a superb year out of SMU. He's six foot four. He's got he's got a bit of everything. Um, I think honestly, I think he he has Calvin Ridley esque, not Calvin Ridley, Calvin Johnson esque kind of potential because he's got great hands he's he's long he's got the speed he runs routes really well but the problem is one Emmanuel Sanders who also came out of SMU is still there and two the quarterback situation isn't great in Denver so how do you approach where to pick up someone like Cortland Sutton when you do have those other factors as well Definitely a, a worry, and you're right to be scared about Joe Flacco. And, and you know, even if they boot Joe Flacco, right? We're looking at Drew Locke, a uh, second round quarterback who, who's interesting, but he's a rookie. He's just not going to be that good. Rookie quarterbacks aren't. In most leagues, that's going to come down to how how much you gamble on it. So, in any league, anybody's going to love a certain player. So, probably you're going to be sitting there thinking, if I want to go after him, I've really got to make a decision. You can't kind of luck into him at value. You've got to be the person that makes that decision and go out and get him. So, ultimately, you've got to go after your guys. Cortland Sutton, I agree with you. If you're looking at somebody who's probably going to be the number one target on their offense, maybe Emmanuel Sanders, but he's not 100% fit yet. Uh, volume conquers all. You want to go for targets. You want to go for number of touches. You want to go for playing time. So, so I guess what you're saying is, in a PPI... Potentially, PPI. You're looking, sorry, PPR. <laughs> deadlines, deadlines looming, buddy. Exactly. Your investment may be at risk. In a PPI, you're looking at Emmanuel Sanders, but if you're not playing PPR and you're looking for those touchdowns and and big big days, you're looking at someone like Cortland Sutton. And and the other thing I would say is that across those bounds, is looking at consistency. I'm just looking at the average draft position for for the um, for the ESPN app. And to give you a bit of an example, uh, two guys going very close to each other, Sammy Watkins and Kenny Golladay. Sammy Watkins was a player who, uh, over eight games last season, had 500-odd yards, six or seven touchdowns. If he took his eight best games, he looks like a top-five receiver. In his other games that he actually played in, because he did have a little bit of an injury, but he had a four, a four or five game stretch where he had just over 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns. And it's a really wide range of possibilities there. Would you take someone like Kenny Golladay? Well, last season, I think he had 11 games where he was over 50 yards, over five catches. In a PPR league, that's absolute gold. That's that kind of guy who's going to be getting you 10 points consistently, week in, week out, and going to be the base of your team. Not going to be that guy that loses you your week. Not going to be that guy that has the absolute stinker where he gets you zero points and is the difference between when you're staring at your bench going, oh, why didn't I play the other guy? Like that's So consistency, as you're saying, is something to definitely consider. Just a few, just throw out another because we need to get onto the tight ends. A few other wide receiver names thrown out there who you're looking maybe a little bit later on when we're getting into the kind of seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round onwards. Um, I'm just going to throw a couple out there. Uh, Robbie Anderson at the Jets is currently average draft position in excess of 80. Do you know what? He I've, could be the number one guy there. In I terms think of that's targets. great because they brought in Le'Veon Bell and there'll be an awful lot of teams looking at uh, Le'Veon Bell doing what he does so therefore stacking the box seven men in that box and you're looking at one-on-ones Robbie Anderson has electric pace and he already has that link up with Sam Darnold from last year I think that's an excellent excellent value 
Um, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned Marquis Goodwin. Yeah. So it's another uh, one who would be in my conversation very much the 49ers fan. I don't like to talk about 49ers players, <laughs> though. I'll do it for you. So for, <laughs> We're for going to have to in the tight ends, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we are. No, we'll go past Best him. tight end in football. <laughs> uh, those three games where we had that beautiful connection between Goodwin and Jimmy Garoppolo was just amazing because he was clearly number one. And every time Jimmy G was going out, he was just looking at his uh, favourite target. So we absolutely love that. Way well, but, down the problem, deep. but the problem is, is that, yes, I love that. But let me tell you what you're looking at in San Francisco. And this is when we can get nerdy. Dante Pettis is currently going in the wide receiver four range. People are looking and thinking, bit of a deep threat, not going to be a consistent scorer. If you look through weeks 13 to 16 last year with a, a rookie backup quarterback, he was the 13th best wide receiver in, in football at that time. Now, if he can recreate that over a five, six, seven week stretch this year and you're, not get, and you're getting him in the 12th or 13th round... Value. That's what we're talking about. Sorry. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't argue <laughs> with any of that. Um, if if you go onto um, the live kind of draft trends on ESPN, and you can see kind of where some of these players have gone. You scroll past someone like um, uh, Marquise Goodwin there. Um, Josh Gordon's still around. Now he's applied for reinstatement. We're looking at that he's in the flyer conversation, isn't he? We're looking at uh, around if you've already managed to pick up your defense, why have you done that? But around 15 or 16, you've got a, a spare slot and you're thinking, you know what, he may come back. That's where you pick him up. A lot of people won't do that and you'll see him available, but for me, I'm not picking up someone like Josh Gordon. I just don't trust it. Now, this is really interesting the way you guys are talking because this is a good example of you know how much you want to go for it, right? Um, you can go for someone who's reliable and will. You've talked about having that somebody who gets you know, 10 targets every week and that will do you really good. You'll have a good team. You'll never be the worst. But to win a, a fantasy league where there's high variance, you're going up against another 11 people, you haven't, you haven't got to not be bottom three. You've got to be the best one out of them. So going after those people like Josh Gordon, yes, it's scary. There's a high proportion. It could go horribly wrong for you. But you need at least one of those pay off. Otherwise, you ain't going to win. Mm. Right, I'm just looking for some named flyers here because we are <laughs> running very long. Named flyers. We don't need to go deep on the reasons why. I'm going to just throw me out a couple of them. Uh, guys who I think could be number two guys in a decent offense. Geronimo uh, Allison currently going average draft position over 140. Dante Moncrief, he has bitten me in the past but he might be the number two in Pittsburgh behind Juju Smith-Schuster, and he's going in the 12th round onwards. There's a couple of guys that I really like late on who I think people will pass on because they've bit them in the past, but could give them an opportunity. Anyone else want to throw any out there? Yeah, I'm going to chuck in a name that everyone will know, uh, Deshaun Jackson. Oh. Nobody's going crazy for Deshaun Jackson anymore, but could easily be the number one receiver in Philly this year. And he's going, he's been taken as the 46th overall wide receiver. So I'll do that. Another guy I really like, uh, another player I really like watching uh, late is Albert Wilson on uh, the Dolphins. Dolphins are not going to be a good team this year, but Albert Wilson can take a one yard pass and take it 50 yards. So um, he's worth having. Right. I'm going to go very quickly. Devin Funches in Indy. I know I mentioned uh, T.Y. Hilton. I liked him because there isn't much behind him. Well, Devin Funches is, again, uh, as a, a very small man, I love the big guys that catch balls. And uh, at six foot five. I've always said that about you. Always thought that. Uh, at six foot five, I think he is a, he's a big target. Uh, Andrew Luck likes a big target in the end zone with those tight ends and it moves rather nicely onto the tight end section. So, tight ends, here's the big question. Are you looking at any of last season's big three if you're 
the, the average draft position for guys like George Kittle, for guys like Zach Ertz, and for guys like uh, Travis Kelsey, they are going third round at the moment, some even earlier. Are you looking at a player who, last season, if you look at the top five tight end performances on ESPN over the last, uh, over, I think, the last decade, three of the top five came last season from those three players. Are you concerned that was a flash in the pan, or are you going, well, these are special guys on special offences, potentially? And the flip side of that was, if you look at the tight ends who ranked about 6th to 10th last year, it was the worst year in the last decade for their kind of cumulative production. It was an awful, awful year for tight ends apart from those top guys. So, if you're pulling the trigger on a top guy, then you're gaining potentially an advantage over, say, you're in a 12-team league, you've all just given yourself immediately a weekly advantage over nine of the 12 other teams that you could be facing. Yeah, nine definitely. of the 11, sorry. Bad maths. Oh, this is this is getting hard work math, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling <laughs> foolish. Yeah, you're totally right. So uh, that does make sense. When you stack it up, then the amount you're getting compared to your competitors might be more than what you're getting. So down there in the third round, we're probably looking at a you know number two wide receiver or running back we're taking, and they're the sort of guys you look at and you go, well, I, I can see how you would be really good, but you know, I've got to, I've got to look at you with slightly rose tinted glasses as well. So having a a more sure thing like one of the top ends uh, tight ends is probably a more sensible thing to do. So yes, I probably would be happy to look at one of those guys so you're taking a tight end before before your quarterback definitely okay okay that makes sense look there are loads of tight ends i think actually that are quite some value outside of that top three um i love the look of jared cook who in the average draft draft position is going around the 73rd pick so what's that the the Early sixth, eighth? seventh, eighth right, rounds, right. Per, depending on 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 how many um, teams you've got in your league. I think Jared Cook had a, a monster season last year, and you've got to look at some of these tight ends as auxiliary wide receivers because what else have you got behind um, Michael Thomas in New Orleans? You've got some you've got some names like Ted Ginn Jr. and 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 such like, but we know Drew Brees loves a big pass-catching tight end. He had that great link-up with Jimmy Graham all those years ago. Jared Cook is a former bas- former basketball player. He was brilliant last year. I think that's excellent value. So here's how I'm feeling. If I'm not taking one of those top guys, then I'm looking at who I can get value from potentially a little bit later on, based on their overall average draft position uh, in a league like this. If I'm looking at where... a, a a player is going at, at tight end. So we start off with, I mean, you go to the tight end one, you've got guys like Travis Kelsey who's going in the first round. You've got guys like George Kittle and then Zach Ertz who are going in the third round. Then nobody's taking tight ends again. All the way down until OJ Howard in the fifth round, currently on average draft position, stuff like that. So you are starting to really, it's a, then a drop-off. Are you then, like you would with quarterbacks potentially, really waiting it out and potentially thinking to myself, look, I like the upside of taking someone like Mark Andrews in Baltimore, who will be literally drafted in like the 12th, 13th round, but could end up being a, a top eight tight end. And that 
gives you real value and means that you've been able to spend better earlier in the draft. Exactly that. And this is where the idea of drafting in tiers comes uh, through. So you've got that that number one tier of those top three elite guys. And then basically from four to ten, there's a load of guys who it could work out really well. And they've all got strengths. And they've all got really good things going for them. We talked about Jared Cook. Um, OJ Howard, you mentioned, was a great example. OJ Howard is really talented. He's really good. He's produced. But historically, Bruce Arians hasn't used his tight end very much. Evan Ingram. Plus, you've there. got Cameron Bray there as so well. You've got Cameron and Bray. They... they they ate into each other's production. So you Definitely. couldn't really trust one or the other. So I'm so surprised to see OJ Howard as as high as he is. I, I take him. I'm, as much as I love Cameron Bray, and he's very much a wide receiver, he pretty much plays in the slot. Um, there's a discussion for another day. Can you be a tight end if you're in the slot? Because you're not on the end. Anyway, whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's going to be a lot of uh, mouths to go around. We've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, we've got Cambray, we've got the running game, whatever happens there. Mm. You're never going to have that much. So really, you're, you're hoping these guys, hoping for a touchdown, um, seeing if that comes up. Um, but you're gambling. Eric Ebron scored, what, 13, 14 touchdowns last year? Amazing. But we're expecting him to play much less. He's going to score fewer touchdowns. Evan Ingram was a really good player as a rookie. Uh, but if you're buying into Evan Ingram, you're you're buying into the quarterback situation for the Giants. Eli Manning or, uh, oh, or Daniel who wants that? No, thank you. I mean, that's going to annoy you after, as you go through the season, right? You look at your roster before uh, the start of the season. You go, Evan Ingram, he's going to be great. And then week after week, you're going, I've I've got a hope. Eli Manning is good this week, and how, that's not going to work. How do we feel about some of the veterans in the next tier? So guys like Delaney Walker, Greg Olson. Kyle Rudolph, Jimmy Graham, Jordan Reed, you know, uh, Jason Witten. We've got some guys that have either come back out of retirement who spent last season injured, who are just getting on, who haven't clicked with their quarterback. Is that, are we getting into tight end two territory? Are we getting into flyer territory? Definitely flies, but I'm okay with those veterans. So a couple of guys you mentioned, Jordan Reed, uh, Delaney Walker, Jimmy Graham. I'm, I'm pretty happy with Greg Olson as well. They've all been there. They've done it before. Fine, they're slowing down a little bit. But Jimmy Graham, you know you know this. He, got, he gets a bit of a bad rap from last year. And he had, what, 700 yards receiving? Something like mm. that. He had a decent year. It's just the year before when he had 14 touchdowns. He was never going to repeat that. So everyone thought he was a bit disappointing. I'm happy with all of those guys because the tier after them is kind of rookies. And, you know, if anybody's never looked at it, um, uh, well, here's a good question. Anyone know who holds the NFL record for rookie tight end receiving yards? Uh, I am going to say that it is... No, go on. Rob Gronkowski. (laughs) You'd think it would be someone like that. I'm pretty sure it's Mike Ditka. There you go. He had like 900 yards 40 years ago and no one's ever got close. So Mark Andrews was great last year. He had 500 receiving yards. It's just not a lot. You know, tight ends aren't that productive this day. So rather than jump into the rookies when you're looking at Noah Fan or or someone younger like Dallas Goddard or rookie TJ Hawkinson, I'm I'm just not confident doing that at all. It's a hard position. Tight end in college is very different to the NFL, so it takes a while to adjust. I would rather have someone in his last two or three years than I would in their first two years. Uh, One guy... I, and, and interesting because you're saying about that like Mike Gazicki's a guy who has been getting a lot of buzz as a later round guy no thank you not on that Miami offense not with what they've got there that's a real kind of uh, people are calling it a sleeper I'm thinking of him can you be a bust if you're not taken to like the 15th round when does a sleeper become a coma <laughs> it's somewhere in between there um, but I do like uh, I like a lot of the guys outside of the top three I just don't like them as early as a lot of them are going I'd happily take Hunt Henry. I'd happily take, uh, as you said, like Eric Ebron, but probably not as early as a lot of them are going. Do you know so, who I like? Austin Hooper? I do like Austin mm-hmm. Hooper. I like Austin Hooper. I also like David Njoku. Now, 
Cleveland. Oh, but they've got so many more targets. There's, in a, there's a lot now. of targets, but he, again, he, he's a big, big fellow with good hands. I, I don't know. I, I, I like him. And he's yeah, good I fun like watching, him. right? He's got it's, great stories. He's an amazing athlete. Ab- and isn't that what it's all about? You pick players that you like watching. You may have a little bit of uh, insider knowledge, or you may you may think that this guy may do better than him. I'm generally picking guys that I like to watch. Right. That's our wide receiver tight end episode done. Again, episode four will go really into kind of how we're going to approach our drafts individually. The key thing, if you're starting to do your mocks already, the reason to start to do your mocks is you will learn that pivoting is the key, that you're not going to get who you want every time, and sometimes you'll come out with a terrible team, but you'll learn about who you can take when you're not so happy with the way you're looking. So make sure to keep up with your mock drafts. You can sign up for the world's number one fantasy NFL game with ESPN. Create a league, invite your friends and hold a draft at ESPN.com forward slash fantasy forward slash football. You can also download the ESPN fantasy app to manage your team throughout the season available on the App Store and Google Play. This has been the Gridiron Fantasy Football Show sponsored by ESPN Fantasy Football. Hazel Irvin here at Spencer Park in Coventry, where 37-year-old Emily and her mates are taking part in a fancy dress fun run to fundraise for sport relief. And that means I've been lumbered with her dog, Tilly. Oh, Tilly, not over there. And they're off. An impressive array of costumes on show today, everything from penguins to pirates, all taking on poverty and injustice. Respect. Spectacular. Poverty getting crushed by Katie on a space hopper. Easy. Coming into the final stretch now, and it's neck and neck. I think we're in for a photo finish here. But it's Suzanne smashing through injustice. She is a winner. Hey, Tilly, get off my tutu. Tilly, sit. You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sportrelief, it's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. <laughs> 